We introduced Alice and, as our um, prospective women's ministry team leader. Um, she's already doing women's ministry in the church, and so as elders, we felt like we really needed to have a point person for that. And so um, this morning is about affirmation, and I want to want to pray for you, and um, want to invite uh, the elders. Uh, I see. Oh, where'd they go? Roger was here. Where's Chris? Oh, wow, he's, a, yeah, Roger's going to the nursery. That's an odd, odd thing. Yeah. So we just, we want to, want to, yeah, affirm you and just um, say that we're excited for you to, to do women's ministry. You're welcome to sit. Do you, you want to say anything? Okay. You don't have to. You can if you want to. Okay, but we just want, we want to pray for you. And, um, so, Lord, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, God, for, uh, for Alice, Lord. Thank you for the many gifts, God, that you've given her. Uh, thank you for her heart of, of compassion, her heart of grace and love. And, and um, God, the way that you use her, God, to connect uh, people. Um, Lord, what a beautiful spirit, God, that you've given her. And Lord, I want to pray, God, that you would uh, bless her in every way, God. I pray that you would continue to, um, God, use her to minister to the women, God, at Crossroads Community Church. And, and Lord, that people would come here, God, they would find grace, they would find mercy, and uh, God, ultimately, Lord, that they would find healing and chains being broken and set free, Lord, from, from the things that bind them, Lord. And I pray, God, that that would happen, Lord, through um, the women's ministry and, God, through the, through the ministry of this church, Lord. And so, God, I pray, we know, God, you've already gifted Alice in, in every way, God, to do this. And so, um, Lord, thank you, and um, we're excited, God, to have her doing as a team leader. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, we are in Romans uh, 8. You can turn to Romans 8. But um, as you're turning there, I just want to take some time and pray for this message because it's, it's super important. This is one of those kind of core truths that we really have to, um, really have to grasp. So let's pray. Jesus, we, we pray as we study your word. Father, this is your word. This is what you are saying. This is your truth. Father, I pray that your truth would just overwhelm uh, all the defenses we've put up, all of the, the years of um, slavery the years of doubt, the years of um, the layers of everything that we've tried to maybe keep this truth out. Jesus, I pray that this morning that your truth would um, break down, would break the chains, would really speak to us, Father. Father, I pray that our identity in you would be so clear. So, Jesus, come in empower and speak to us this morning. Father, I pray that uh, you would increase and I would decrease. Would this be all about you and all about your glory? Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, uh, Paul, um, his, his background is, is kind of in, in, in legal things, okay? Paul was, if, you know, the closest... I, yeah, I don't know if you'd call him a lawyer, but, but, but he dealt with God's laws as, as, as a teacher of the law um, in his soul years, the soul years there where he was persecuting Christians. He, he loved the law and he dealt with the law and he knew the law and he applied the law. Um, and so he's coming at this in, in kind of this, this legal um, framework. So how many of you guys love watching kind of those, those legal shows on TV? Rebecca, what's your favorite? Law and order. Okay, so there's courtroom drama in there, correct? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, what are some of the classics? I mean, this has been a genre that's been around for a long time. What are some of the classics? Perry Mason, Matlock, Law and Order. Um, none of you guys have mentioned any of the stuff that's on daytime TV. I mean, there's, yeah, Judge Judy and Hot Bench and, and the People's Court. I mean... 
these are real. I mean, those must. I mean, the production costs on those are like zero. You know, you just need a couple of folks who are willing to go there and spill all their dirty laundry, and I don't even know if you have to pay them. But but we love this. Um, Chicago Justice, a new one apparently. I haven't seen that. But anyway, so so we we love these these law and 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 courtroom dramas. Why? Why do we love it? Like to see who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Um, and and so there's kind of a a, a closure usually. There's, there's this kind of closure, um, you know. So so they have. Um, the truth is hopefully exposed. You know, you have the situation, you have this individual, and, and, and they've obviously done something, okay? You have to do something to get to court, okay? And, um, and, and folks are interviewed, there's witnesses, there's evidence, you know, all of these things are kind of added in, and, and hopefully the, the desire is that, that the truth is discovered, the truth comes out, uh, the truth is revealed, and, and, and so all of these, these different elements of, of witnesses and testimonies and questioning back and forth. And so kind of the, the process is you have this accused, you have someone who is who's speaking for him, you know, uh, a lawyer or advocate or a, a defense. And, and then you have someone who's speaking against him, who's accusing him and saying, no, that's not right. And, and these guys kind of battle it out, um, trying to, the ultimate goal, hopefully, is justice. Is, is coming to the truth. Is that correct? Do I have it right? Okay. So, yeah, they're all bad. But, but, but the, hopefully, the whole purpose of, 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 of the court is to get to the truth. And, and, and Paul is going to use that illustration this morning. And he's kind of been building on that. He's been building on that the whole time. He's been building his arguments. Um, and, and, and he wants to come to, to this conclusion. And at the end of this conclusion, there is a verdict. Okay? At the end of a court case, there is a verdict given. Okay? And we can, we can tee up that video. Um, this, is, this is from Shawshank Redemption. Um, it's an older movie. Um, great movie. I, there's a lot of just um, good stuff in there. But... There's an innocent man, and, and there is a verdict given. And I, and I want you to just to think about what kind of verdicts are spoken, what kind of verdicts are given. Um, and, and, and this one is, is, is going to be very... Quiet, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lip sync this one. No sound. Okay. Let me give you a word by word. No. Basically, it is, you've got to go watch the movie, okay? And this is right in the beginning of the movie. And, and, and Tim Robbins, the, his, his character is innocent. Um, but this verdict is spoken out. And I want you to, he you to hear the words um, where this, this judge says, I am, I am disgusted just by your cold-heartedness. I mean, the guy is innocent. And, and so he's not responding but just your, he says, you disgust me. And, and he just speaks this verdict out. And he says, you are guilty. And then he sentences him to life in prison for two counts of murder. Okay. Um, I'm going to try again. Nope. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. We're good. No problem. Um, but, but he is condemned, and there's just this, the scene, it's just the weight of his condemnation just falls on him, just kind of rests on his shoulders. It's just like, wow, he is now a condemned man. And, and life, you know, he, he was a banker in his life, and now all of a sudden, he is condemned to life in prison. Life in prison. Um, what about us? Have you ever felt condemned? And, and, and what about us in terms of, of our faith? Because one of, one of the, the kind of core beliefs, one of the core beliefs of, of, of our faith, of Christianity, is that each one of us 
will at some point stand before God. Um, there is a judgment day. Revelation 20 speaks very clearly of this. I want to encourage you, go and read Revelation 20, the last part, verse 11 onwards. There is a, a final reckoning where we will stand before God and, and, and think about that. Now you're standing before God and all the evidence is there. God has been a witness to every aspect of your life, okay? He doesn't have to call up a witness. He doesn't have to call up anyone. He has been a witness to every aspect of your life. God has all the evidence. He is a perfect judge. And His justice is perfect. And He will speak a final verdict over our lives. He'll speak a final verdict over our lives. And that'll affect our eternal destiny. That'll affect if we spend eternity in heaven or we spend eternity apart from Him in hell, which is a very real place. And so there's this final verdict that is spoken over us. And, and Paul has been building up to this point. He's been using these legal arguments. He's been, if, if you can kind of picture him standing before a court, and the previous chapters have been his, his legal arguments. Um, he started off in, in 1, 2, and 3, and he's, he's been kind of going. In, in chapter 4, he introduces Abraham as, as a witness, as an example of how Abraham had faith and, and, and was judged righteous because of his faith, not because of following the law. Um, Adam... He brings Adam up in, in chapter 5, and he says, Adam w was given this instruction not to eat of the tree, but, but this is where sin starts. And so he uses Adam and his example of, of kind of the separation there between following God and following self, self-determination, doing your own thing, eating the fruit, even though you know it's wrong. And so, he, you know, he looks at Adam as, as, as another example there. Um, in chapter 6, he, he speaks about what, what Christ has done and our relationship to, to Jesus. And he brings that in. So he's, he's bringing in these witnesses in this court case. In chapter 7, he speaks about you used to be married to the, to the law, to the, to the old system. And, and I know you were committed to it, but you've been set free from that. Um, and he speaks about slavery, being slaves to sin. Slaves to the law, slaves to this law of the flesh. What Jason was speaking about last week, our flesh kind of keeps wanting to do the flesh things, okay? We have these desires in us, and there's this tension, there's this kind of back and forth the whole time of, God, I want to please you. I want to do the things. I have your spirit in me, but yet I still have this flesh that just wants to do those things. And so Paul has been, been bringing that all, um, speaking about this rebellion that is going on inside of us, each one of us. Uh, does it feel like that some days, that there's just this rebellion inside of you? You know, you have plans to do, to do good, to, to be a great parent, a, a great spouse, um, a, a great employee or employer, and, and there's just this rebellion inside of us. And here in chapter 8, Paul's going to give the verdict. After all the arguments have been made, after all the things have been said, he's going to give this verdict. And um, so, let's read. I mean, Jason, you mentioned it this morning. Here's the verdict. Here's the verdict on our lives. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read 1 through 11, and then we're going to unpack it slowly. It says, therefore, and the therefore refers to all of these arguments before, chapter 5, 6, 8, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accord in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Okay, so what's, con what's Paul's conclusion in the whole court case? What's the verdict? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the verdict is not guilty. The verdict is no punishment, no condemnation. And, and I'm always cautious because sometimes we read this and we hear it, but it kind of just stays up here and it doesn't really penetrate and it doesn't really sit in our hearts. And we're not like, okay, there is no condemnation for me. And there is a caution here. It says, um, for those that are in Christ, those that are trusting Him, there is no condemnation. This is not a, um, you know, everyone gets a, everyone's a winner and everyone gets in because it's just a, you know, like, hey, you get a trophy for just participating in life. No. Those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Um, because we will still stand before God. There will be this judgment. But the verdict for those that are in Christ, those, that are, those of us who have trusted in Him, is no condemnation. And, I, and so what I want you to do is to really just think about it. Do you believe that? Can you put your name in there? Can, can you read that verse and go, there is now no condemnation for me, for Gus, who is in Christ Jesus? Can you put your name in there? Or does it feel kind of like just... Uh, maybe this was written for someone else. Um, I don't know if I can accept it. When, when, when you really drill down and, 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 and think about this, do we accept this? Do we accept that there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus? Or is there this uh, kind of like this sneaky suspicion that maybe he's got the wrong guy here, you know? Oh, you know, we should check social security numbers on this because maybe, maybe this refers to someone else. Because um, I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. Um, you know, this, you know, God, are you, are you okay with this? Because this seems a little extravagant you know, to say that there's no condemnation. I mean, do you know what I've done? Have you seen what goes on inside of my head? And you still say there's no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus? I think if I, if I was able to, to speak with each one of you individually, um, I think the pattern that we see is that, that we struggle with this because we, we're like, man, is there really no condemnation? Really, Jesus? Is, is that really real? Um, because I, I think we've, we've got to be honest here. There, we have an enemy, and the enemy is the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, okay? And so... What he's doing is he's out there accusing. And so he doesn't want us to accept our freedom. We have already been set free because we are in Christ. But he would want us to question and doubt that freedom. He'd want us to question if we're going to be condemned. Um, he'd, he'd want us to live under his control. And so he's going to go like, you know what? That, that applies to those other folks, you know, the folks who are, are much better than you and all of that. And, and he's just there to kind of just... Sow that seed of doubt, question, um, keep you from actually going all the way in there. So I want you to, this week, really um, just dwell on this truth that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And so if you are in Christ, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know 
I mean, it's, it's an easy question. You know that. If you've done it, there is no condemnation for you. And you're going to get some pushback. Um, your enemy is not going to want you to just believe that and go like, oh, that's easy. There's going to be some pushback and there's going to be some doubt. But I want you this week to really dwell on that. And so if you need to write it on your mirror or, or write it you know, on your desk or write it on the front of your car or do whatever, you know, back of the bathroom, just write that and keep on repeating that. Sometimes we've got to hear it multiple times until we really believe that there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so one of the things we want to do this morning is just kind of unpack that. How does that work? How did we get to that spot that there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus? Um, and Paul's going to explain this. And first of all, he's going to say this is through Christ Jesus. This is all through. This happened through Christ Jesus. Um, in, in, in verse 2 there, he says, the law of the Spirit the Spirit that lives in us, that is living in us, gives us life and sets us free from the law or this, this principle of sin and death. You see, that the way things were, kind of the economy that, that, that was existing outside of Christ is that it exists in, everyone, in all of our homes, in our, in our city here. If you mess up, if you sin, if you break the law, what happens? You pay the price. You're punished. I mean, if, if you walk into Walmart and walk out with a TV and don't pay for it, what's going to happen? Do the crime, do the time. There we go. So, so that is the, that's the economy. That's the system we work under. That's the system we live in. And now Jesus comes along and He says, I'm going to set you free from that. There's a whole new way. There's a whole different way. And it's so radically different that we struggle with it. So we did the crime, and Jesus paid with it for His life. And we're like, do we really not have to do the time? I mean, think about it. Our sin, Jesus paid the price for our sin, and now we have been set free, and there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. See, we started out under that, the, that system of sin, and, and we've lived there for a long time. And, I mean, it, it operates. We live in that, you know, I, we punish our children if they don't obey because we want them to be, you know, good citizens and obedient. Um, we don't want them to, we were talking um, the other day about, you know, how do you relate to a police officer? Because there was some fear. Um, this is with my kids. And they're like, well, you know, won't they just come and hurt you? Because, you know, there's all this stuff on the media and stuff like that. And it's like, you know what, if you do the right thing, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. If you just follow their commands and, and, and if, if they tell you to, to be quiet or get on the ground and you just do it without arguing, there's a very slim chance that anything bad's going to happen. It'll just work well and the system is in place. But that's the system we live in, that you follow the rules, it'll be okay. But now Jesus says, there's no condemnation for us who are in Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation. And it's, it's hard to get our heads around it, but I want us to get our heads around it because there's a new system. There's a new way. Jesus has paid the price. He has come and He has paid the price. Um, later on, we're going to look at his, He's paid the full requirement. But in verse 3, it says, um, for what the law was powerless to do, the law couldn't save us. The law couldn't make us holy. The law couldn't force us to follow the law, the law couldn't make us love God. So it says, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, because the law applies to us, and, and, and in our flesh, we weaken the law. We can't keep the law. It says, God did. So that thing that the law was powerless to do, to save us, to give us life, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Folks, this is how it was done. It was Jesus Christ who did it. Jesus is the one who set us free from this old system, from the law. And now we can live um, freely. Verse 4 says that, um, 
They kind of follow on, three and four follow on. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so those of us who live according to the Spirit, who have the Spirit in us, the requirement of the law has been fulfilled, okay? So the law required, do you remember the Old Testament law? Every time folks sinned, what did they have to do? There's an offering. And the offering usually included death. And, and, and that was symbolic. It's like, if I sinned, this animal, this dove, this lamb, this sheep, this goat, whatever animal it was, had to die. That was the law. That was the consequence. And so, the law required death. That was the requirement. For sin, there had to be death. And so, as growing up in Israel in those years, you would have known that every time I sin, the requirement, the result of my sin is death. And they would see this picture. They would see these animals being killed, and they would see this death. They would see the blood shed for their sins. They would see that the requirement of sin was death. And now it says here that, that Jesus has, he has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. It's been fully met in us. His death has fully met, has completed, has finished the requirement. So the requirement is death. It should be our death. But Jesus has stood in our place and His death has fully paid the price. Okay? So we've been set free. Um, but again, we have an accuser. We have an enemy who is going to come and say, have you paid it all? Have you really paid it all? Was it really pay, fully paid? Or is there still a little outstanding balance? And, and so we see this today even. I think we see it in churches sometimes where they say, um, to be saved, it's Jesus and, and there's this Jesus and thing. And there's always this little and. Well, yeah, yeah, Jesus paid 90% of the price. You've got about 10% that you still owe. And I think Satan would come in and say, that price hasn't been fully paid. You're really going to rely on Jesus? I mean, that's so long ago, you know. There's been uh, inflation, so, you know, you need to pay the difference. And I don't know. Satan would use whatever trick he can to make you think that that requirement of the law was not fully met, that Jesus' death didn't fully cover all of your sin. He's going to use something and say, you know what? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus' death on the cross, that was 90%, but you still owe this 10%. And so there's that lie that creeps in that says, when you come to stand before God in judgment, He's going to condemn you. Why? Because you haven't fully paid for it. Yet, rely on Jesus for 90%, but man, you've only come up with 5%, and there's still another 5% out there that, sorry, not fully paid. You have to pay the price. But folks, Jesus has fully met the requirement of the law. I think, I think we need to stand on that. We need to stand on that over and over again. <coughs> I really want you guys this week to be bold in that. You are not condemned. You've been set free. You need to stand on that. Okay, so we need to take a stand on that. All right, so um, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So what does it look like? What does being in Christ Jesus look like? Um, and, and Paul kind of unpacks that. This is the evidence. He says, okay, um, this is what it looks like to be in Christ Jesus. And he's going to be talking about life. He's going to be talking about peace. He's going to be talking about pleasing God. He's going to say, that, that's what it looks like to be in Christ Jesus. Now, I just, we need to put some caution there because sometimes what we do is we say, if that's what it looks like, then that's what I'm going to try and do so that I can become or get in to Christ Jesus. Do you understand the difference there? We can either, it's actually really simple. If we are in Christ Jesus, if we're in Christ Jesus, if we say, Jesus, I trust you with everything, all of who I am, I need you, I submit to you, then the product of 
of being in Christ is peace, is life, is pleasing God. Sometimes we look at the product and we say, I want to do it on my own terms. And instead of coming to Christ first and submitting, we kind of want to go to the product. We kind of want to fake the product. You know, we kind of want to fake it till we make it. Okay, I'm going to have peace. Ooh, I've got so much peace, it's just stressful. Um, you know, I, I'm going to have love. Okay, I'm going to work really hard at loving. I, I'm really going to try and please God. Have you ever seen folks who do that? They, they spend their whole life trying to please God, hoping that they might be found in Christ. And folks, that's, it's kind of backwards, but sometimes we do that. We look at the fruit and we try and kind of create the fruit without being found, without being rooted in Christ. When we're rooted in Christ, there's this natural thing that happens. The fruit just comes, okay? You don't have to tell a fruit tree to bear fruit. That's just what they do. They grow, they mature, and they bear fruit. Sometimes, and I just want us to caution, don't try and, it's, it's very easy in, in kind of church life to, um, to try and chase the fruit, try and show how peaceful I am, try and, and act loving. It's that room of good intentions. I mean, this is exactly what Jason, the doors are behind there, we should have brought them out. The room of grace, how do we enter it? Humility. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you. The room of good intentions. Hey, I'm going to be really peace-loving. And you guys better, you know, just buckle down. We're going to be peaceful here, okay? Everyone be quiet. We're going to be peaceful. That doesn't work. It doesn't. Not at home. There will be peace now. <laughs> the kids don't listen to that. Um, but that room of good intentions. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to have really good fruit. Watch this fruit. I'm going to be really loving. And, and we try really hard. We try and please people. We try and please God. Look what Paul says. He says that um, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So there's, there's kind of, if, if we're going to live according, and according means under or with, um, in, in relation to, it's like, that's what I'm going to base my life on. If I'm going to live my life based on the flesh, then my mind is set on the flesh. And that's where my mind goes the whole time. It's kind of set. The, the direction is set. And so I, I set my direction on that. But he says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So how do you change your desires? Because there's those who desire what the Spirit desires, and there's those that desire what the flesh desires. So we've got to be careful. We can't just go like, oh, I'm going to change my desires. I'm just going to desire something else. No, I have to be in Christ. I have to be in Him. And then the natural thing that happens is our desires follow where we're in. Our desires always follow where we're in. If we're in Christ, our desire is going to be for Christ. If we're in the flesh, our desire is going to be for the flesh, okay? And so we naturally desire what the Spirit desires. And as, as we allow the Spirit to lead, as we allow the Spirit to govern, as we allow the, the, the Spirit to rule in our lives, and that, that leads to peace. That leads to peace. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If you want peace, you've got to surrender. Okay? If you want peace, you've got to surrender. You've got to give up. You've got to surrender and live in the Spirit, live in Christ. So peace is a product of our surrender, of being governed, of being led, of being ruled by Christ. Okay? How do we do that? And, and, and here's something, and if you take away two things this morning, one is there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, and this is the other thing. What does it look like to live in the Spirit, day by day, moment by moment? And for me, it comes down to the decisions I make. Um, I have a choice every time I'm going to make a decision. Am I going to include, am I going to submit this decision to Jesus Christ, 
to His Holy Spirit living in me, or am I just going to do it on my own? And, and I know that I want Jesus to, I want my decisions to be filled with Him and um, based on Him. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> but it's, you guys know how easy it is, you know, I, I can spend some time with God and in the morning and I'm okay, I'm going to let, um, let my life be led by the Spirit and it's going to go well and I get into traffic and it changes or I, or I just have to make a decision and I'm, I'm like, you know what, God, I don't need you on this decision because I know how to do this. You know, I, I have, I've read the books, I've studied this, I've made this decision a million times before. I know what to do. I've got this and we make our own decisions. What if we just ask Jesus every single time, Jesus, what would you want me to do? What would you want me to say? And just ask. It sounds so simple, but how many of us do it? Just ask Him. How do you want me to respond? So before, you know, when someone comes up and says something to us, before we respond, what if we just took like three seconds and just say, Jesus, how do you want me to respond? Jesus, what do you want me to say? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Instead of immediately just going, I know what to do. I've done this a million times before. You know, I've been trained in this. I know this. What if we just ask for wisdom and we ask for Jesus to speak to us? For me, that's what living in the Spirit is like. That's, that's what it is for me, is every decision, every moment, <coughs> asking Him. Saying, Spirit, lead me um, in, in every decision, not in just the decisions where I'm confused. Sometimes I, I can do that. I can kind of go like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. Oh, I don't know what to do here. Oh, maybe I should ask God. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's the only time we ever ask Him. But what if we ask Him about the things that we know about already and, and just the daily decisions of, of life? Um, because the alternative, when we do it on our own, Romans 8 verse 7 says that the mind governed by the flesh, the mind that, 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 that is based on the flesh, um, is hostile to God. That means it's against God. It is at war with God. It is hostile um, to God. And it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So when we're in the flesh and we're just operating out of the flesh, like, God, I got this. I know how to do this. Let me take care of this. Um, I'm going to do it my way. That's hostile to God. And, it, and it, it, it can't submit to God. It can't do that. Okay. I'm going to skip over a couple of verses. because, and, and this is really great stuff. I wish we could just spend multiple weeks on this chapter. But I'm going to, I'm going to go to, um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to go right to, to verse 11. Um, how, how do we do this? How does, how does the Spirit live in us? How does, how does the Spirit control us? How do we submit to it? And how do we hear from the Spirit? Um, how do we live this life of just asking? And <coughs> I think what we've got to recognize and, and realize here is that we're dealing with, with God who, who is a powerful God, and, and verse 11 speaks to that. Uh, and, and I think, read verse 11 in, in the context of the power of the resurrection, the God who could resurrect Jesus, give life to Jesus. It says, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also Give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. You see, if, if you're concerned and you're like, I, I have tried, I have tried living this Spirit-led life. You know, I've, I've, I have so many good intentions. It's been my goal. I've, I've worked so hard at living the spiritual life. I, I, I can't do it on my own. You're right. You can't. I mean, good news. You came to the right conclusion. You can't do it on your own. But we have available to us the power of God. 
God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, whose spirit now lives in us. And so as, as we go out and we live this spirit-filled life, we, we've got to remember that we're not living in our own strength. We're not trying to do this on our own. There is no condemnation for us who are in Christ, but, but we're not alone in Christ. <coughs> it's not something we just have to kind of keep working at. This is, we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, this Holy Spirit who has the power of resurrection, who can do miracles, can do the same in your life. And so, um, I want you to remember that there's no condemnation that you have the Holy Spirit living in you every day. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I really want us to, to be asking, to be asking Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? How do I live this? I need your resurrection power in my life every moment. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, we need you. We need your resurrection power in our lives. Because we, we recognize that we have an enemy that would, would want to condemn us. He'd want to say that um, our lives are a mess and, and, and there's nothing good in us. <coughs> Who'd want to use lies against us and, and diminish the work of the cross. And make it seem like that wasn't enough. That the price that you paid Jesus wasn't enough for, for our ransom. That the, the righteous requirement of the law wasn't fully met. That there's still a part out there that, that we need to go and work at. And so Jesus, we want to come against that. We want to just stand very boldly and say that is not true. But we are saved. We have been saved and we have been set free. And therefore there is now no condemnation. Father, we can stand in front of you with no condemnation, with no guilt, no shame, no fear. We can approach your throne of grace boldly because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of that resurrection power, because of the Holy Spirit who, who raised, Father, you raised your son back to life so that we may have life so that we can live this life of the Spirit here and now. And then, Jesus, when we meet you face to face, and Father, we stand in your presence, there is no condemnation. That judgment will be in our favor. That you are for us. And that you have fully paid the price for us that our lives are, are rescued, that we are no longer slaves to fear, we're no longer slaves to, to sin, we're no longer bound to, to the flesh and just have to do what the flesh desires all the time. But Jesus, we can live for you here and now, on, on, on this earth right now, um, we can start and, and we can live for you. And, and Jesus, we look forward to eternity, we look forward to to those of us that are in Christ, standing before you and saying, you saying to us, good and faithful servant, awesome job, son, daughter. You're loved and welcome. Welcome and come and spend eternity in your presence. Jesus, we long to, to spend eternity in your presence, face to face with you, enjoying all that you have for us, all that you have prepared for us in advance. Thank you so much for grace. And Jesus, um, help us to always be responding in humility. And just entering that room of grace in humility every time. Help us to enter in humility and enjoy you. Jesus, we love you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. I find that the life and the spirit is... Um, it's constant, like, to, to live by the Spirit is to constantly grab hold of the thoughts that we have. And the Holy Spirit would say to us, He would say, hey, 
you need to take take that thought captive, right? That's that those the thoughts of accusing and condemnation. You need to take those thoughts captive. That is not, and the Spirit's job, I think, is to remind us of what this, the Bible clearly says. This of what the truth is, and so the Spirit is constantly reminding us of truth, and um, is constantly combating the flesh and saying, "Whoa, wait a minute." grace and and so one of the ways that we live by the spirit is to live in the grace of Jesus and and that means that we we continue to live in grace you know we live out of who God says that we are as his children and so we were saved by grace and we continue to live by the grace of God and that means that we we give grace when God gives Jesus gives grace to us we give grace to ourselves but then we also living by the Spirit, we, we give grace to others. That's, when, we, when we're doing that, we are living by the Holy Spirit. We're living the life of the Spirit. And so um, I, I want to just, yeah, let's just sing this song and, uh, <laughs> and be reminded of this. Maybe the guitar won't play, but that's it. it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love, now flowing down from hands and feet. That were nailed to the tree As grace flows down and covers me It covers me It covers me It covers me It covers me Amazing rain How sweet the sound Amazing love Now flowing down From hands and feet That were nailed to the tree As grace flows down it covers me. It covers me. It covers me. So we're covered by the grace of God continually. He continues to cover us. He continues to stand before the Father in heaven and, and, and in our defense. He is our representative before God. Um, and so anything that's condemning that comes to us, that's not from the Spirit of God. As we go into our offering this morning, and uh, I want to just share with you um, something exciting. This last week, Gus and I had the opportunity to go um, to Grinnell, Iowa, and uh, meet with some church planters there. 
um, a couple of guys who are planting a, a church called Paragon Church. Um, I don't know if you know anything about Grinnell, Iowa, um, but they're, they're going to have, it's going to be a challenging time to plant a church there. Um, and so they are going to need all of the encouragement that they can get. Um, they're going to need all the help that they can get. Um, they, their, their plan is to start a college ministry on Grinnell campus at Grinnell College. And maybe you know about the college, but um, I went to the college and I, was, and I felt like I was, it was kind of one of these um, Acts 17 moments um, where you start to see all the signs and posters that are up around the college, and it's very um, uh, li- liberal. <laughs> I don't know what other not, word to use. God-owning. It doesn't seem like, yeah. It's called the Light Company is what they're, they're planning to, to try to start on this campus, and, um, and I think that's a great fitting thing for them to do, to put light on that campus. And so... Um, we have been praying about that as elders, and we're committed to um, par- being one of their partners to help with that church plant. Um, and so we were able to, to go there and to encourage them and even to write a check um, to them this week on, on Monday. And so um, I want you to meet their pastor. Um, his name is Cody. Um, and so we have a video this morning to show. Um, it's a minute, and then we'll, we'll take up our offering. The Midwest, with its waving fields and rolling hills, flowing rivers, is a place of of vast beauty. Occasionally you'll find that rare gem in in the middle of the prairie that just enhances the beauty around it, really a a jewel of, of the prairie. Grinnell, Iowa is that place. Paragon Church exists to help people discover, desire, and display the treasure of Jesus Christ. We here at Paragon Church, we want to be a church that helps people discover, desire, and display that treasure because we believe it can change and transform your life. Join with us as we go on this journey to discover that treasure. And so not only do we want to, um, we want to send, some, send them some finances to encourage them, we also want to send people um, to encourage them. And there's an opportunity for us on April the 8th, before Easter, to come alongside them, partner with them, help them do an Easter event. Um, and so we'll be talking about that more here over the next month. But if you'd like to be a part of that, maybe think back. It took me back to when Crossroads started. I thought it was just like I was having flashbacks, and I was like, man, we had people coming in and, and helping us, and look what, look what God's done, you know, just by having people come. And, and um, so anyway, I want to encourage you that way. So we're going to take up our offering this morning and sing, sing one more song. And as you, as you sing this song this morning, I want you to, to not think about this place, but I want you to think about this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Not, well, he's welcome here too, but he's welcome here in this place, okay?
said amen Amen. yeah go in the power of the spirit and the power of the resurrection of the lord jesus christ